to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and I am excited to bring you the week three picks of the 2021 college football season. If you like the channel, please remember to like and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, please remember to follow us and to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple or Google. We'd really love your support, really love you to share so we can expand the audience. And I would love to hear your thoughts on some of these picks. Let me know your scores in the comments, especially in the YouTube uh, in the YouTube stream, what you guys think about this game or some of these games that we're, we're going to be doing. We're going to go through all 12 games that involve Big Ten teams this week. Wisconsin is on a bye, and there is one conference game in Maryland at Illinois. We're also going to do the Alabama-Florida game. That's the probably the biggest national game of, of the week. And then I'm going to take a few minutes just to talk a little bit about this report coming out. I think it's from Dan Patrick about Penn State head coach James Franklin apparently having a mutual interest in the vacant Southern California head football coach job. Uh I am very skeptical about it. I'll just, I'll just leave that there, but we're going to jump right into picks. The first game is actually on a Friday, Maryland at Illinois. It is a 9 PM kickoff on FS one. Maryland is a seven and a half point favorite. And that makes sense to me that they would be favored. And yet I am, I'm skeptical I think Maryland's going to win this game. I'm picking Maryland to win this game. And yet I, I feel very, very torn. And here's why. In 2018 and in 2019, Maryland started 2-0. They, both years, they had a win over a ranked opponent. One of those years, they, they beat Texas uh, in 2017. They also beat Texas on, the way, on their way to a 4-0 start. But 2018, 2019, there's buzz surrounding their program. They beat a ranked team only to lose to Temple in week three, both years. Here we are. It's week three. They're not playing Temple. They're playing the Illini. And the Illini, I think it's very clear that they are the weakest team in the Big Ten, or at least one of the two or three weakest teams in the Big Ten. Can Maryland finally get over the hump and build a string of wins and particularly win against the teams they're supposed to? That's what I'm concerned about here. Talia Tagovailoa is, I think, a really good quarterback when he plays clean ball. I think their receivers, Demas and Jarrett, are studs. They have talent. Mike Loxley has recruited his butt off for the Terps. But I just don't know how much I trust Maryland because I've seen this movie before. Illinois also gets Brandon Peters back, who is a significant upgrade over Art Sitkowski. I thought Sitkowski played well at, you know, taking taking the starter reps as Brandon Peters healed up. Brandon Peters is a lot better. And so there's just a lot of intrigue in this game. I don't think Illinois is going to upset Maryland. But I've thought this in the past when they've played Temple in 2018, 2019. I think Maryland gets it done. I think Tagovailoa will play at least as as clean of a game as necessary. 
They'll get a couple of big plays from their receivers. Maryland wins 31 to 20. Let's move to Saturday. A lot of interesting games on Saturday. Uh, a lot on paper that feel like blowouts, but actually I think might have a little bit more intrigue than we first uh, expected. Nebraska at number three, Oklahoma, 12 p.m. on Fox, big noon kickoff. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, the, the best announced team in, in all of college football. 22-point favorites, Oklahoma. And they came back with a vengeance. I know it was Western Carolina, but 76-0. Spencer Rattler got back on track, a clean performance. Meanwhile, Nebraska coming off two wins, one of which is was against a Buffalo team that I thought was a, a little underrated. And I had I had Nebraska on upset alert last week. Buffalo won by 25. It wasn't as dominant as you would like, but it feels like there's at least some positive momentum coming for the Cornhuskers, despite the fact that they lost their opener to the Illini. My, my question is, can the Cornhuskers do better than they did two years ago? 2019, they played a playoff caliber team in Ohio State. There was a lot of buzz around that game. It was a primetime game, and Ohio State just ran roughshod on them. As 48-7, to seven, Ohio State could have named the score. Is that what happens here with Nebraska? Or does Nebraska show signs of life and improvement? I think if they can show signs of life and improvement, that would bode really well for Scott Frost. I just – I don't have a lot of faith in Adrian Martinez – I'm still selling this Cornhusker team and some of the some of the stuff going on behind the scenes. It won't be as bad as 2019, but it'll be bad. I have Oklahoma winning 45 to 17. Also on 12 at 12 p.m. on ESPN is number eight Cincinnati at Indiana. Cincinnati is a four-point favorite. I think it's one of the most underrated games of the day. The score for Cincinnati was misleading last week. They played Murray state 42 to seven. And you think, wow, like Cincinnati is piling up big time wins. They were tied seven to seven at halftime. They had under 400 total offensive yards against an FCS school. And while Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford, the, the quarterback and running back, I think they're one of the better backfields in the country, not just in the American conference, but in the country. I am skeptical about their line play uh, up front. And I think the, the Hoosiers, I think their defensive line can get after the quarterback a little bit. I, I think this is going to be a tough test for Cincinnati. I, the question I have for the Hoosiers is, can they get back on track? Can they not just as a team, but particularly on offense last week against uh, Idaho, they, they won 56 to 14, but, Michael Penix was not effective as a passer. I think he had 66 yards as, as a passer. Uh, I think Jack Tuttle came in and he threw for another 50 or 60 yards. This And that's against Idaho. They should be able to throw more against a team like that. And so my question is, can Penix be effective, particularly down the field? Because if they want to beat the Bearcats, they have to get vertical. They cannot rely on their running game and the short passing game. They have to get Ty Freifogel and some of those other receivers down the field to be able to spring the upset. 
And I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to do that. So I, I think it's, it's a bit more of a defensive game. I think Cincinnati will score just enough to have, I wouldn't say a comfortable win, but it'll be, it'll be a 10 point margin, Cincinnati, 27, Indiana, 17. Also at 12 PM Eastern on ABC is Michigan state at 24, number 24, Miami. Miami is a six and a half point favorite. I think this is a sneaky game here because just at first glance, Miami struggled against Appalachian state last week. They obviously got killed against Alabama. And so I think people are down on Miami right now. And I I don't think they're a top 15 team, but I think there's some fool's gold when talking about them compared to Michigan state, Michigan state's been physical. They've had two different running backs go over a hundred yards. Obviously Kenneth Walker had the big game against Northwestern, but Northwest or Michigan state has not played anyone real. Like I, I think you can make an argument that Miami playing Appalachian state is probably the second toughest opponent out of all the opponents that Michigan state and Miami have played combined. And I'm not sure it's all that close between Alabama uh, for the second best between Northwestern Appalachian state and Youngstown state. I think Appalachian state is probably the, the be- best of the three. And I, I think Miami has better NFL talent. I think Derek King is, is probably a little better than Peyton Thorne as a quarterback. My, my big question though, is can Miami match the intensity on the offensive and defensive lines. Can they match Michigan state's physicality if they don't? And I think in past years, Miami has struggled to match physicality with, with bigger, more physical teams. If they can't do that, they will lose this game, despite the fact that they have more NFL talent. But I I think Miami, I, I think they'll be able to win enough battles up front. I think they'll be able to have some some key plays by Bubba Bolden in the in the back seven. Miami wins. I, I think it's going to be a tough game offensively for Michigan State. I have Miami winning 27, Michigan State 16. Also at 12 p.m., uh, Northern Illinois at number 25, Michigan. That's this is on the Big Ten Network. Michigan is a 27 and a half point favorite. We see uh, former Spartan quarterback Rocky Lombardi return against to face his old rival in the Wolverines um, as he leads the Northern Illinois Huskies. Northern Illinois has struggled with turnovers. Last week, Lombardi threw three picks. They've also struggled to stop the run. And so this is not a great matchup. I think this is going to be a pretty easy win for Michigan. The, the key here is can they get Cade McNamara reps with his receivers? had only 44 yards passing last week. That's not going to get it done against the the top tier of the Big Ten, and that's where Michigan's trying to aim. So they've got to get McNamara going uh, just to get him reps with these receivers. I think Haskins, Hassan Haskins, and Blake Corum are going to run wild on this MAC team. I've got Michigan 38, Northern Illinois 13. Minnesota at Colorado, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, which means nobody's watching it unless if you're somewhere in the West Coast that gets the Pac-12 network. Uh, Colorado's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and this might be the trickiest game to pick, if I'm honest, 
because Colorado held Texas A&M to seven, no, to 10 points last week. It was a three point game. They did a really good job on defense, but I, I don't know how much of that is because Haynes King was out for most of that game. Brandon Lewis, the quarterback for Colorado has not thrown the ball well at all in either of the first two games. And that includes an FCS opponent in Northern Colorado. On the flip side, Minnesota feels weird to me. They're up 18 at the half against Miami of Ohio, but uh, they let Miami of Ohio back in the game, only one by five. Trayson Potts was good against Miami. He had over 170 yards, but you know, is he really going to be able to get you the tough yards in the middle against a, a pretty stout defense in Colorado? And I'm, I'm also just, you know, as, as well as Minnesota played against Ohio state, I just don't know what to make of the fact that we just saw Ohio state get pummeled by Oregon on the defensive side of the ball. Like how much of Minnesota's offense was because Ohio state's just bad defensively. So I, I feel like this game, I just don't have a good feel for it. I, I think, I'm going with Minnesota in this game because I, I believe in their offensive line. I think they'll be able to run the ball. I think they'll be able to run the ball better than, than Texas A&M did against Colorado. And I think Tanner Morgan can make, make a couple plays with his legs and can make some plays on the RPO. I've got Minnesota winning 21 over Colorado 17. Purdue at number 12, Notre Dame. 2.30 p.m. on NBC. Uh, Notre Dame's a seven and a half point favorite. I think this is a fun one in South Bend. Purdue really struggled to run the ball in their opener, and you really can't take anything away from their their win against UConn because UConn is is just awful this year. Meanwhile, Notre Dame has now two very close wins, and the overtime win against Florida State just looks so much worse after the Jacksonville State loss. I really thought both Florida State and Notre Dame were top 15 teams after that game. And just seeing Florida State lose to Jacksonville State, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I think we, we, we got a little fool's gold with, with Notre Dame and, and especially with Florida State. So I, I just, I'm curious to see how Purdue does against this Notre Dame team. I think Purdue can win this football game. I think this is also going to show us a, a kind of where Purdue has progressed or hasn't progressed. I really like Purdue this year. I think Jeff Brom is a good coach. I think they have a key playmaker on both sides of the ball, possibly a top 20 NFL pick on both sides of the ball and David Bell and George Karloftis. Uh, Jake, uh, Jack Plummer has been really good for them at quarterback. And so there's a part of me that really wants to pick Purdue in this game. But I, I just think Notre Dame is stronger on the lines. I think Kyron Williams is, is going to be the difference in this game. And, and Jack Cohn, Jack Cohn has done a good job at quarterback for them. So I like Notre Dame uh, in a very close game. Notre Dame 31, Purdue 27. Kent State at number five, Iowa. It's a 3.30 kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Iowa is a 22 and a half point favorite. I, I was looking back at the Iowa game, Iowa-Iowa State game, and looked at some stats. And I was shocked to see that Iowa gained less than 200 yards on offense. And so I think this has to be a week where Iowa gets their offense at the same level as their defense. 
because as, as great as their defense is, if they want to compete for a big 10 championship at the end of the season, which I think they can, I think they will, but if they really want to compete, they have got to come up with an offense that is at least competent. And I think they have the pieces. Spencer Petrus, it, you know, he is, I think he was under 50% of his throws, but if you look at some of the throws he made in the Iowa state game, he can throw the ball. And when he is accurate, like when he throws the ball accurately, it's right on the hands. So he can do it. And Tyler Goodson's good. And their offensive line is good, they, but they need more consistency. And so can they progress against a, a Kent State team who's obviously overmatched or do, it, do they let them hang around? Because I think I was the type of team that I think can have two really good wins and then let Kent State kind of sneak in there and maybe, maybe bite them. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll progress a bit this week. I've got Iowa winning 38, Kent State 10. Delaware at Rutgers, also 3.30 on the Big Ten Network. As of now, there is no betting line. Delaware is a good team in the Colonial Athletic Association. And while Rutgers should not lose to the Blue Hens, they need to be cautious. They need to be cautious. They have two solid wins against Temple and Syracuse. For them, that's very solid. I think the Rutgers defense should be able to limit Delaware, especially on the ground. They, they have not been able to run the ball. Quarterback Nolan Henderson can air, air it out, though. He, he has been very good over the first two games, granted, against lesser competition. So I, I, I really look for the matchup between Coleman and Pitt, uh, Pitts, who are the, the top two receivers for Delaware, uh, against Trey Avery in the Scarlet Knights defensive back seven. Curious to see how that plays out. I've got Rutgers winning by a couple scores, 28 to 13. Also at 3.30 on Fox Sports 1, Tulsa at number nine, Ohio State. Ohio State's a 24 and a half point favorite. This is either going to be a bloodbath or a fan's nightmare. And what I mean by a fan's nightmare, not in the sense I think that they're going to lose, but it's the type of game where everybody says, oh, we're going to fix the defense or we're going to fix something. And then it doesn't get fixed. In fact, it looks worse. And there's been a lot of smoke about internal issues in Ohio State's defensive staff. A lot of talk about defensive changes. And so I look for Ohio State to shorten some of their defensive rotations. But do they come out flat? after the loss against Oregon, or do they come out looking to improve and get the bad taste out of their mouth? I think a lot of people are expecting the defense to be better this week. I don't, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be borderline worse because I just, I don't know if there's enough experienced playmakers back there to make a difference just yet. And so I think we're going to see some similar breakdowns. I think fans are going to be more upset after this game. It'll still be a comfortable win, but it'll also be a win where you say, boy, what is going on with the Buckeyes right now? I have Ohio State winning 56, Tulsa 28. I think C.J. Stroud has a monster game. And they'll, we'll finally get to see a, a second and third string quarterback in the fourth quarter. Northwestern at Duke, 4 p.m. ACC Network. Northwestern's a three-point favorite. This is another one of those games where I, I just don't have a good read on it. I'm skeptical of the Wildcats at this point, but I do think they're the better running team. Duke has struggled to run the ball against two 
overmatched opponents. And one of them they lost to in Charlotte. I, I think Evan Hall will be the difference in this game. He's the running back for Northwestern. He, he's got some quick quickness to him. I think he'll get 15 to 20 carries. I think he'll get over 100 yards. Can the, the big thing is can Northwestern hold Duke's passing game at bay? I think Duke will struggle running the ball. I do think the Wildcats will get enough stops in this game. I don't think it's going to be a very fun game, if I'm honest. Northwestern 14, Duke 10. That's my final prediction there. The only non-conference game I'm picking this week, it's the, the national game of the week. Number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida. 330 CBS. Alabama is a 14 and a half point favorite. I think if Emory Jones were more efficient in the pass game and, and less turnover prone, I would pick Florida to win this game because Florida has all the pieces to get an upset over the Crimson Tide. They have a dynamic running game. They have a mo mobile quarterback and it's a mobile quarterback who can throw the ball down the field. They have receivers uh, that, that can make plays. Uh, I think they have a good line. They have a good offensive line. Their defense can hang with Bama's playmakers. I don't think it's like Alabama against Miami. But Alabama's success has always been predicated on havoc plays. And their defense is nasty. I think they returned nine starters. And then they also got the top defensive transfer in Henry, Henry Tuatua. I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing that right, but he's a stud linebacker coming, coming out of Tennessee. And I, I, Emory Jones has thrown four picks in two games. And now he's got to go against a defense that wreaks havoc uh, against quarterbacks. Florida, I think will cover. Not that I care about the cover, but I think they'll hang around enough that it'll look respectable at the end. But I think this game will also be out of reach by the middle of the third quarter. I've got Alabama 38, Florida 28. I don't think this is this is the game where they're going to get super tested in their schedule. I think there are other games down the road where they're going to they're going to get tested. And then last but not least, the Big Ten game of the week, number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. It's on at 7:30, ABC. Penn State's a six-point favorite. I believe it's Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet on the call. My boy Herbie breaking this game down. I think to me, this game is all about the quarterbacks. Which quarterback can make the big throw when they need it? Which quarterback can get the run to get to move the chains when they need it, when their team needs a first down? Which quarterback is more consistent? Will it be Bo Nix? of Auburn or Sean Clifford of Penn state when they need a play, who is more consistent, who is more reliable. Both teams have been looking to their quarterbacks to see who can be consistent and be, a, a, be moving the chains and making things happen at a more consistent basis. I trust Clifford more than Bo Nix. I trust Sean Clifford. I know a lot of Penn state fans. If you're listening, you're like, you, you trust, you, you trust Sean Clifford over Bo Nix. I do. I think he he's got better legs and I think he has better playmakers on the outside. 
I think Penn State's going to limit star tank, uh, star running back Tank Bigsby. He's great. And I think the defensive back seven is just a huge advantage for Penn State over Bo Nix and his receivers. I think they pick Bo Nix off a couple times. And I think the whiteout crowd, that home crowd, is going to make a huge difference. Penn State gets another signature win against an SEC opponent, making them a legitimate contender, not just for the Big Ten title, but as a playoff contender in the Big Ten. So I have Penn State winning 28, Auburn 23. I'll end with this. Speaking of Penn State, Dan Patrick is reporting that he has a source that there is mutual interest between James Franklin and Southern Cal for their head coaching position. James Franklin, obviously the Penn state head coach. And my immediate thought is why I, I think for SC, it makes sense in some, in some regard, in other senses, it doesn't at all. For, for James Franklin, let, let's get one thing straight. I, I don't think Dan Patrick is all that well-connected in the Big Ten. If you just look back to last year with the pandemic and all the smoke coming out of the Big Ten, he was constantly stating things that were just not true and proven wrong. One of the biggest ones, he, he made a claim that there was a source – inside the Ohio state athletic department saying that they were threatening to go independent. And that's just, it's bonkers, bonkers, crazy. Um, and now he's reporting this, he's reporting James Franklin and SC are interested in each other. And, and here's my, I'm just going to throw, lay it out, out there. James Franklin grew up in Pennsylvania. He went to school at East Stroudsburg and so he knows the area. He's done really well at Penn State. Like, I know he hasn't gotten to the playoff yet. But if you think about what he's accomplished at Penn State, he's done about as well as you can do with the sleeping juggernaut or with the juggernaut in Columbus that he's had to deal with. And he's actually gone toe to toe with them almost every year. Like, if you think about the, the series record right now, there's really only two games where they have not competed. And that was 2015 and I think 2000, well, last year, last year. And even, you can even make an argument last year that Penn State started to climb back in as, as Ohio State was trying to close that game out. Every other game has been either, I think, an 11-point game or less. Two games that were one-point games and obviously he beat Ohio state. He beat a playoff caliber Ohio state in 2016. So I, he has success. He's won a big 10 championship. He's recruiting at a, at a high level. He has the number one recruiting class at Penn state right now. That will probably go down a bit, but he's pulling in typically top 10 ranked recruiting classes. And if Ohio state suffers a dip, which there's a possibility in the next few years that, you know, if they don't do well this year and then they struggle again next year, Penn State is right there to become the, the cream of the crop in the conference. I don't know why you would leave. Southern Cal right now has been down 
for almost a decade. And I thought the way they managed Clay Helton was poor. They haven't really been relevant in the national scene since Pete Carroll. And I think USC is, is one of the top five or six jobs in college football. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like Penn state is that far below it. Pennsylvania is a really good recruiting state. I think the PAC 12, if you look at the conferences, I think the PAC 12 is pretty weak. And I know Oregon just beat Ohio state, but let's also consider that that was a massive win for the PAC 12, which they needed because the PAC 12 hasn't had any massive non-conference wins over the past 10 or so years. And so I, I just don't understand why James Franklin would even want that job right now because USC has been underachieving their talent level is probably on par with Pennsylvania. And I'm not sure the PAC 12 is managed all that well. And the big 10 is by far a better run league and has far more resources. You have far more fan support at Penn state. And so I just, all those things, I'm like, I don't, the only reason why James Franklin would go to USC is because he truly believes that he can't win a national championship at Penn state, but he could at Southern Cal. And quite honestly, if I'm being honest, I think James Franklin is a top 12 coach. I don't know if he's a top five coach. And so I'm not sure he wins a national championship anywhere. And that's not predicated on program. That's predicated on some of the decisions he makes at times. I'm just not sure he's ever going to win a title. That's no disrespect. It's hard to win a title in college football. But I, I don't know. I, I think that's the only reason why you move to SC is because you believe that you can recruit better at SC, that the facilities are better, the support's better, which leads to the possibility of winning a national championship. And while I think SC traditionally is, is a hair bit better than Penn State, I, I just don't know if that's going to be a good move. And I'm not even sure James Franklin wants it. it. He's about to have a big game against Auburn. They have a real shot to win the big 10 this year and a, a real shot to get to the playoff this year. And so why move? Why disrupt your entire program when you're in the middle of a campaign where you could bring home a conference crown and possibly get a playoff appearance. So that, that's my thought. I, I just don't, I don't see that being a good move for either school for either the school or James Franklin. And quite honestly, for James Franklin, it makes no sense. So I, I'm curious. I maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Dan Patrick really does have a source. I don't know. But I don't think it is a good move. It feels it doesn't feel like a lateral move, but it feels like a it doesn't feel like it's a big jump up. Like it doesn't feel like it's Penn state to Alabama. That would make sense. Or Penn state to Clemson, or even I think Penn state to Ohio state to a certain degree, because Ohio state has been one of the top three programs in college football over in the playoff era. USC hasn't made a playoff. They have struggled to win the conference and they haven't had a ton of premier talent 
like I think Sam Darnold and a couple other guys maybe, but I, I just don't see, I, I, I don't see the wisdom in it. I, I, I like, I think James Franklin stays where he's at. I think he stays there for a while. The, the only, sorry, I'm, I'm processing a little bit on the fly here. The only reason I could see James Franklin leaving for the SC job is because fans have soured on him in happy Valley. But so far with the two and zero start, you know, if he wins this Saturday, I think there's going to be a lot of joy and a lot of desire to keep him in happy Valley. So I, all that being said, I don't see James Franklin being a, a credible, a, a credible choice for SC. Cause I just don't think Franklin would, would go there. It makes no sense to me. So that's, that's my, my take on it. We'll see in the next week or two, what happens. Uh, maybe they'll kick the can a little bit down the road, get an interim for a little bit. And then that, that'd be my guess actually is they'll, they'll probably do that. But even then, I, I, I don't think James Franklin makes sense. I, I put more stock into the idea that it might be one of the coordinators for the Chiefs or the Buccaneers. I've heard those names being tossed around. And I could see those being really good ideas for SC. I think, I forget which one it is, but one of them has Southern California ties. And so that, that would be where I that tends to be where I feel like the, the real smoke is coming from. I don't think James Franklin is it. I think there's some other names on there that it's just, I don't know why you would even bother asking. So my conclusion and my conclusion for this podcast is James Franklin is staying at Penn state and he's going to win on Saturday night against the Auburn tigers. This has been the big 10 football talk podcast. Again, remember to like, to share, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy week three of the college football season. Take care. God bless.